0: Hey everyone, this is the Against the Green Podcast. This is episode number 68 for March 12, 2020. I'm Justin De Palma, and as always, I'm joined by Freddie Robin, Guy Dunlap, and this week's special guest, Jeff Jewett. This week's show started a little bit different than usual. Jeff just got right into it, and we started recording, and we figured we'd just pick up from there. So, you probably know Jeff from his very popular, world-renowned finishes of Homestead Finishing. And their trans tint is their one of their biggest products. So, if you haven't used it, try it. Uh, Jeff also builds guitars, and they're absolutely beautiful. So, check him out on Instagram and his website, and just everything that he does. It's, it's very interesting the whole story of his life and where he is now. So, hope you guys enjoy. Thanks.
1: I was uh, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, went to school here and uh, went to college uh, in a liberal arts college uh, in Gambier called Kenyon College. And I was an art major, studio art major. I figured I would either be an artist or a teacher. And when you came out of uh, college in in 1976, it was, with a degree in studio arts, about the only thing you could do was teach. And so I thought I'd take a stab at that. And I hated it. So I had to quickly, uh, renegotiate or reconfigure everything. And I sort of drifted around for, oh, about 10 years or whatever. But, um, while I was in college, um, I became, uh, uh it's my first, uh, uh, introduction to woodworking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a sculpture major and I also became fascinated with, uh, uh, the idea of building a guitar, mm-hmm. uh, at that time. And anyways, uh, I, uh, I think I met Guy, uh, well, anyways, I wound up going into sales and, um, I met Guy at a retail store in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio called Northeast, um, audio, I think yeah. appliance, and audio. Northeast appliance, appliance our, yeah. and audio, something yeah. like that anyways. And, um, uh, we didn't really, I think, ever work together, but I knew who he was and whatnot.
2: Yeah, we, and, uh, we we knew we knew each other, not really, you know, like, hey, buddy, let's let's go out and have a beer, kind of thing. But yeah. you know, we knew each other.
1: We were in meetings yeah. together and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyways, uh, I don't think really, uh, you know, uh, we shared much in the way of like uh, woodworking skills or anything at that time. Now, when I was at Northeast, uh, that's when I started building guitars. Um, I built a, a couple of, uh, kit guitars. Uh, there was no information back then. I mean, there were no very, very, very little in the way of information. So I bought a kit. Basically it was a guitar that was disassembled. Uh, I bought it from Martin guitar company and I put it together and, um, you know, it, it was funny because I mean, instructions back then were, uh, they just assumed you didn't have anything. So, uh, I think what I did in, in, uh, when I glued the top and back to the sides, I think I, I weighted it down with cement blocks cause I didn't have clamps. Uh, I mean, it, it was pretty poor, but you know, it, it, it stayed together, believe it or not. But anyways, um, that sort of got me in, uh, 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 into the idea of, well, maybe I could, you know, if I ever get out of retail, maybe I could make a living as a luthier. And I sort of tried that a little bit, but that really fizzled out quickly in Cleveland. Uh, there was just, uh, this is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame home, mm-hmm. and acoustic guitars aren't real big here. Anyways, make a long story short, uh, I sort of thought, well, maybe I'll try my hand at fixing furniture instead. And that's what I did. And uh, I started a company uh, that I ran with my wife, Susan, uh, for many, well, till about 1994. Very successful uh, refinishing company. And I uh, uh, didn't want to strip furniture for the rest of my life. So I got the idea in 1994 to uh, start selling supplies Mm -hmm. to finish wood. And one thing led to another. I got was introduced to Fine Woodworking Magazine at that time and started writing for them. I uh, started teaching. And boy, just a lot of things kind of snowballed after that. And so uh, up to the present right now, I still run my uh, finished supply company, Homestead Finishing Products. But we now manufacture more than we sell other people's products. We manufacture our own specific lines of uh, colorants that are Mm -hmm. used on wood as Mm -hmm. stains. And probably our biggest, uh, uh, I would say, um, um, avenue in in the use of colorants is in the musical instrument business. Uh, uh, All the major guitar companies use my product now. What's your uh, product called? uh, My product that we manufacture here is called TransTint. Uh, mm-hmm. liquid dye concentrates. And yeah. I also make a line of powdered, uh, sometimes people refer to those by the old name called aniline dyes or dried uh, aniline powders. And those are uh, dissolved in water. I've, and, I've, I've and been wet. using
2: both those products for over 20 well, years. Everybody has. Everybody has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're-
0: Yep, we've, I don't know about around the world, but I think here in America, you're definitely the name brand that everybody knows. So,
1: yep. we are we do seem to be we are the go to, uh, you know, uh, product when people think of wood dyes. Uh, we're, uh, we we sell through Rockler, through Woodcraft, through through all the major companies. Uh, we do direct selling, and then we our our musical instrument dealer is located right here in Ohio, uh, which is Stuart McDonald Guitar Shop Supply. Mm -hmm. They're down in Athens and, uh, they, uh, export uh, a lot of our product all over the world. So yeah, we're, you know, pretty much all over the place. And about, uh, eight years ago, I, uh, was down at Stuart McDonald, my guitar shop. And, uh, they, uh, had just introduced a couple of, uh, new guitar kits and they were on the, uh, desk of the guy that i deal with down there and i said well what's that and he goes well that's a kit we're thinking of doing and i go well you got one I'll, I'll put it together for you and uh i put put it together and i was immediately uh i guess hooked back on the idea of making guitars so uh now that i sort of have a company that can you know provide a steady sort of income uh And I don't have to worry about making a living as a luthier. Mm -hmm. So I've been making guitars now for about the past eight years. And we just started our website. Uh, We rolled out uh, about a month ago. We have 12 models up there actually right now. And uh, it's called Jewett Guitars. And we have a local distributor. And uh, I sell direct mostly though now.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah, those are some, some beautiful guitars. I've, I've, I've looked at your website. Whoever did your website did a great job on it, by the way.
1: Yeah, we just, uh, uh, we, we, he actually reached out to me. He's uh, designed uh, websites for all the top small, what we call independent luthiers here in uh, the United States. And so he reached out to me and I said, well, uh, you know, after I'd looked at some of his work, I said, I, you're hired. I mean, it was just, I I just, you Mm. know, I can do a lot of things, but uh, website, uh, uh, I sort of have done my own for many, many years, but I just, boy, you got to have the uh, Photoshop chops, and I mean, design chops, I mean, it's all a a new world now, and so, and you can't put out anything that looks amateurish, for lack of a better term, it it just doesn't work Mm. anymore. Yeah, but I'll yeah. tell you, uh, the the thing that surprised me was um, I, I really have never had to do a lot of advertising for my uh, the product that I make uh, the the dyes and all that. But boy, I'm finding out it's a different world. With a, you know, if you want to sell a guitar, man, it's all done on social media these days. I mean, hmm. it, it's all social media driven. It, it's incredible. It, it's just it's completely mm-hmm. different. Yeah. and actually that's how I ran into guy again actually was yep. probably I think through Facebook or Instagram. So it was a good thing. It's a good yep. thing.
0: So, uh, I want to definitely hear about the guitars, but I need to really dive in and find out how did you get started the whole tints and dyes and all that stuff?
1: Well, you know, that, that's a, a, a good question. Uh, it's one I love to, uh, answer because it's sort of a, uh, funny way that it started um when i started my finished supply company i approached the uh uh the company that basically was at the top of the heap in terms of supplying dyes to the okay. woodworking industry and I, I won't say their name but anyways i called them up and i said who i was and what i wanted to do and they blew me off basically just blew me off uh said something along the lines well you know you know, I don't know if you can afford, uh, you know, our buy-ins with what we need to become a dealer, this, that, and the other thing. It just, He just kind of blew me off. Well, fortunately, um, I have that background as an artist, a studio art major. And so I looked at I looked at the dyes that I was using and I said, well, how hard can this be to make? It looks like just a bunch of powder. So I sprinkled some of the dye. It was, I think a product, I think it was called brown walnut or something like that. I sprinkled some of the dye on a wet paper towel and you could distinctly see that there were orange dots, blue dots, black dots, and yellow dots and red dots in there. And I go, well, these are just mixtures of primary colors. So... Now, this was way back before the internet, so I actually looked up in the yellow pages. Remember the yellow pages?
0: Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I looked up in the yellow pages, Aniline Dyes, and there was a company in Chicago, uh, and I called them up. I said what they wanted to do, and they said, well, okay. Uh, They sent me samples of like five different colors, and within a week, I had like 10 different wood tone colors. Um, I thought, well, how hard can this be? Well, uh, little did I know that, you know, you have to buy 50 pounds of this, you know, like red and 50 pounds of yellow. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a minimum. So that was a little bit of a, it it was a little bit of a, um, leap of faith on my wife's part as well as my part, but we did it and we're glad that we did it. And now we basically, um, I, I don't even buy uh, raw materials from uh, the United States anymore. Um, um, all the raw materials, by the way, for making dyes are made in India and mm-hmm. China. So, but uh, I just I basically just bring in pallets and pallets of uh, dyes or raw material now from India. But it, it's a very rough business right now with the uh, mm-hmm. China thing. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, with the, with the tariffs and now, and now the, you know, the health thing Mm -hmm. going on. So it is, uh, it, it, it's kind of scary. Uh, there's going to be a lot of disruptions of a lot of things, uh, and it's going to affect our business for sure. But fortunately we, we switched. Um, I haven't had to really deal with China directly now for about five years, uh, I, that was a conscious decision on my part. Um, uh, I just felt more comfortable dealing with India, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, am I glad I did. So we sort of weaned ourselves off of that. So we're in pretty good shape, but uh, it's still a little bit. It's it, uh, uh, it, it's a little scary right now.
2: Yeah. So if you're getting if you're getting pallets and pallets and pallets of all these different dyes, I mean, do you have people putting these into you know, mixture and putting them into the packaging for you? Or do you do all that?
1: No. Well, basically what, what we do is uh, every weekend I go in where I can lock the door and nobody knows what I'm doing. And then I can combine the dye with uh, the different solvents that we use and the secret sauce, <laughs> as we call it to make it into trans tent, And then I make, uh, I I make up this stuff. I use pneumatic mixers and I make up like, uh, Oh, about 20 gallons at a time. And, um, those are then, um, uh, I'm I'm
2: laughing. I'm laughing because like a little tiny bottle of that stuff. Yeah. Whatever. How many ounces is that? Like two ounces or something?
1: Two Two ounces. Right.
2: It's like $25. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, you'd be surprised um uh, at um you know you don't want to spill any of this stuff on the floor basically yeah. the it's
2: like gold it is that it's very floor. expensive
1: Color. well it's very expensive stuff because uh it, yeah. they're all performance dyes and um uh so anyways um so yeah i make about 20 gallons t- now what that is that's three like well, three eight uh, i would say six or seven gallon buckets and those buckets then are placed, each one of those are placed on a table where I have two employees. Uh, they're not full-time, they're part-time. But uh, then they dispense them into the smaller um, containers and then label them. And I have one employee that so, – yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. So you you're the one that makes all the dye that everybody's buying?
1: I make everything everything that that uh, it goes into a bottle is blended personally by me yep
0: and is that because uh, you don't need help or because you just try to keep everything secret
1: um, well it's manageable for me to do second of all mm-hmm. it is uh, something that there's a lot of chemistry going on Uh mm-hmm dyes as raw materials uh they're extremely complex chemicals um in fact you know you see like a red dye or something like that the actual chemical name for it is about a mile Mm -hmm. long it's you know Mm -hmm. it's just they're very very complicated things in fact the, the the way that dyes are synthesized on an industrial scale is much the same procedures as like pharmaceuticals are, are, are synthesized. It's very, they're very complicated. Anyways, make a long story short. They don't, from batch to batch, they, uh, they, they, they don't always have the same exact chemical properties. So things happen uh, as you're mixing mm-hmm. them and you just have to pay attention to things like, um, uh, well, you know, you you might have to be a chemist to understand what I'm saying, but you have to uh, pay attention to what's called pH of the solution, which is Mm -hmm. how acidic or alkaline it is. You don't want it to go too far either way. Uh, So you constantly have to test it and monitor. And there's some strange things that happen in the winter when we're making it just because of the temperature that we have to compensate for. (laughs) So there's a lot of things going on. But basically what we want to try and get in that bottle is the uh, the same product that went into the last batch uh, so the color is the same and everybody's happy and that's that but so it's 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 an ongoing thing and uh, hmm. we have uh, uh, at various times attempted to farm out the actual bottling of it and it just hasn't worked out it just hasn't hmm. worked out so so hmm. we, we do it all in-house and go
0: ahead I, I was gonna say do you have and I can't, the words escape me for what it's called, but do you have something that you compare it against to make sure the color is exactly right for every bottle?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. So. We have computer. Well, it's, uh, we have, uh, uh, industrial equipment. Okay. Um, checking. Okay. I do not. Ha- well, uh, th- th- there is a piece of equipment that we own, uh, but that's basically just to make sure that the product that we got on the skid, the, you know, 5,000 pounds or whatever matches the sample that we were sent two months prior to that. So uh, now that's what was not always good with the Chinese. Uh, With India, it's much better. Consistency. uh, Because they're, they just are more above board. Well, they're more above board about things. You know, um, uh, the companies are privately held. They're not uh, held by the state. So they have a little bit more um, uh, uh, oversight of their own, you know, housekeeping and that type of thing. It, 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 it's yeah, they're more, they're more invested they're, in, the, yeah, in the quality exactly. of the product. So anyways, but, uh <clears throat> you know, things can happen. So, uh, but you always, yeah, you do have to make sure. Now, what you're talking about uh, in terms of like making sure that it matches uh, the exact color that's a very expensive piece of equipment, okay. which I do not have. But fortunately, I have a brain <laughs> and a pair of eyes that's almost just as good, <laughs> and um, almost. almost just as good, and a lot cheaper. <laughs> so I use that. Gotcha. Uh, what we do is we use sh- we use shade cards, and basically, uh, what we do is we just compare it visually, okay. and we pretty much know right away if it's off. Right. Uh, now we cannot. We can't detect minor, minor things, but um, I do have one customer that does test it with very expensive equipment. Uh, It's a customer that buys our product and they incorporate it into their um, finish uh, that they sell to their franchisees to uh, go into people's homes and redo their cabinets and redo their floors uh, without stripping and refinishing it. They basically – it's a franchise that go, comes into your kitchen, cleans everything, sands it, and then sprays it with some sort of a, a new color coat or paint, and then cures it uh, with um, a light source. It's called UV Cure, so it's an mm-hmm. instant cure of the finish, and they're basically in and out in a day or so, so it's, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Did, did the business really take off once you got into Rockler and – Woodcraft, or was it taking off before that? Are they huge accounts or are they just another account that you picked up that just allowed you to hit the other markets?
1: What put me on the map and what helped me out, uh, in just exponentially was becoming an author in fine woodworking. Really, uh, when you author an article, when you author an article in fine woodworking, you have instant gravitas, uh, it's just instant. Then when you write a book for them, you move even higher up on the, the chain. And I wrote five books for them. So that really, 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 uh, is what did it for me, quite honestly.
2: Yeah. There was a, there was a time there and, I think it was 96 or 97 when I started my first furniture business, I, had read some of the, the books and stuff. And I reached out to you from your website. And I think we emailed back and forth a few yeah, times. Yeah, there. that could be. Uh, my first that. book
1: came out, I think, in 90, 19... I started uh, writing for Fine Woodworking in 1994, I think it was. And I wrote pretty consistently for them for well over 20 years. Um, and uh, I wrote my first book in 1997, and it was probably about that time. Um, so yeah, it was pretty close to that. I do remember that. I I remember briefly we, uh, touched base. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was a very short, it was a very short, uh, conversation. (laughs) A couple of weeks. I think (laughs) I was just trying to get a better idea of of what to do on with, with the, the finishing of a a small business. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Jeff helped me out quite a bit. Well,
1: it's, yeah, I do remember that. What type of finish I should be using. uh, I you know, Keep in mind one thing is uh, from the time I – well, even when I was at Northeast Appliance where Guy worked, uh, I was doing their touch-up and repair uh, 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 to all their TVs and all their hmm. demo pieces on the, on the floor. And if some Yahoo in the warehouse drove a forklift through a widescreen, they'd call me down to try and fix them yeah. and i will actually yeah, you see <laughs> i'll never forget this
2: just justin and freddie don't 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 remember console tvs oh okay
1: i had one oh i do do I you remember, i
2: remember the wood box yeah, yeah it was Before. a bit it was a piece of furniture oh, those man. things were the, 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 remember the remember
1: radios? how heavy those yeah, things were i mean just hoisting them up you know oh, the, yeah. the, the cathode ray to the crt uh-huh. Uh, you know, just the 25-inch ones. Uh, and then when, uh, I'll never forget when Mitsubishi came out with a 35-inch 2 35. TV, I remember it took three of us to just yeah. put it on the uh, display ran. Um, and then um, the first one of those I ever sold, um, a 35-inch Mitsubishi, I sold, uh, I sold it to Carl Fazio of uh, Fazio's uh, grocery store. Uh, do you remember that guy hearing, hearing, uh, big inside grocer, just, just as wealthy as all get out. And, um, they delivered it and they didn't know how to hook it up. And so I got this call from Carl Fazio saying, you, you get out here and get my TV hooked up or I'm going to like, you know, have it sent back. So I went out there and, um, I got it hooked up and I was dragging a cable. Uh, from one part of the room over to the next and I knocked over this like plaster statue that was like on a pedestal (laughs) and and I looked at it and I went well my god if it's a plaster thing that's on a pedestal it can't be cheap (laughs) and so Mr. Fazio came in and because he had heard it (laughs) Mr. Fazio came in and looked at it and he looked at me and then he looked at it again and he goes well I don't know how much I paid for that because it was part of the interior design thing. I'm sure it was a lot, but you know what? You're a good guy for coming out here to do this. So I'm letting it slide. He probably <laughs> did like His wife, picked, his it wife picked it out, probably, out. and he just yeah. hated it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Finally, yeah. yeah. well, am I glad yeah. you knocked yeah. that, that thing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyways. Yeah.
2: I had I had left there long before the thirty five inch TV. came out. Oh, I didn't know. Out. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, guy. Yeah.
2: I think I left there in eighty five or eighty six. No. I, okay. No, 87,
1: I left in eighty eight. Eighty seven. I left in eighty eight. So you, you were just a little bit before me. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got fired. You left.
1: I got fired. Oh, really? <laughs>
2: Oh yeah. Um, Mike (laughs) Bohink fired me by fax.
1: Oh really? Oh, but you know, that's funny. It was Um,
2: really classy.
1: After, um, uh, you know, uh, Northeast was sold uh, to those yahoos Mm -hmm. that ran it into the ground from Pittsburgh or wherever they were. Pittsburgh, yeah. Uh, What was it? The
2: appliance store? Oh God,
1: they were awful. just awful people. Awful people. Anyways, so I ran into Mike (laughs) Bohink at a book signing i was doing at borders bookstore and mike bohink walked in and was just looking at magazines or something like that and i caught his eye and i said hey mike how you doing and he came over and he goes what are you doing here and i go well i wrote a book and i'm like uh signing it and he goes you wrote a book so he leafed through it, and, you know, it was all woodworking related, so he wasn't quite, uh, you know, uh, uh, catching up. And it he goes, well, you know, I'm going to hang out over here. Come on over and talk. So I went over and talked to him for a little bit afterwards, and um, uh, he was still, at that time, after all that stuff, he was still one of the most, I, I don't know how to say this, but he, he just isn't a nice person. I mean, he was just a jerk, though. Just a jerk. I mean, I just, you know, pretentious. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was just pretentious. Aw- yeah. Just awful. And I and then I never saw him again after that. So yeah, it was fine.
0: Yeah. I kind of picked up on that when
2: you're there doing the book signings. Says Come yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Mike Bohink and his brother Bud Bohink own the own the place, and
1: and Jim Jim Mike
2: Bohink was mostly involved with the stores. I don't know what Bud did.
1: Bud was the president, and Jim Jim yeah. was the buyer for appliances yeah, was, or TVs or something like that. Yeah, it was Jim? And I don't know what Mike did. I, I quite honestly don't know what he did. He just, uh, yeah. what? Yeah, I don't know. He, he yeah, facts fire me by him. fax.
2: I deserve to be fired, though. <laughs> I will say that I did. I deserve oh, to well. be fired.
1: Yeah, I think we all probably did at at, at one point because it. it, it it was just, it was a weird business. It was very stressful. Uh, it was, it's hard being in retail. Uh, the hours are awful. Um, you know, you got to work holidays. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, I don't know. I can think of a lot better things to do like make dyes in secret on the weekend.
2: (laughs) In your secret lab.
1: (laughs) So, and I'm
0: just curious. And and again, this is stuff you might not want to be able to, tell us or be able to tell us or let the go, but the, the trans tint, Yes. does that come as a powder that you convert?
1: Uh, trans tint comes in as a powder. Uh, uh, it's uh, the, the, the raw materials that we use are sold by uh, dye companies that mostly deal in textile dyes. And uh, mm. that raw material, okay. uh, that it's a very specialized type of textile dyes. It, it, it's used for special uh, uh, synthetic fibers, uh, to dye special uh, s- synthetic dye. Or, Uh It's not really used on garments or anything like that. Uh, it's used for mm. uh, uh, okay. kind of um, things like automobile, uh, cloth automobile interiors, uh, that type of thing, uh, where you need the utmost light fastness, but you need, you know, to dye something. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say for the listeners
3: and people out there who don't know what trans are, what is it in a simple form?
1: Trans tense. Uh, the final product that we make is a, what we call a multifunction or multi-use dye. Um, it's a liquid colorant. That's very transparent that can be used to stain wood. You can apply it as a stain to bare wood, and then, of course, you would put a finish over that. Or it can be used to color uh, finishes and other types of things, like epoxy. Uh, it's used to uh, color uh, the uh, uh, the casting resin that's used um, to impregnate... Uh, uh, wood for turning pens and things like that. Uh, it's used, uh, you know, I mean, I I could go on and on, but, uh, it's not relegated to just wood. Um, the product, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, is used, uh, in the aerospace industry. It's used in the automotive industry. Uh, it's used in the dental industry. Uh, I mean, Hmm. there's just all sorts of uses for it. Um, And um, it's a very unique product. And uh, again, uh, a lot of the industries that we're in, we never really marketed to. They just stumbled on it or on its use because somebody Mm -hmm. bought something at Rockler and had it in their shop or something like that. And they said, well, I'll try using it for this. And, um, you know, so it it goes on and on. I'll I'll tell you a very quick story uh, because it is kind of funny. Um, this was back in, I think, uh, about, ooh, 2000, 2001. I got a call from uh, a, a woman in Las Vegas, and she said she was with a company called Archon. And uh, what they do is they uh, they pour concrete floors in big spaces like malls and shopping centers and the concrete is poured. And then what they do, they go in and then they create designs in the concrete by cutting into it. Uh, So they'll create kind of like maybe like a a pattern of like a flower or a pattern of uh, this, that, or the other thing. And, um, and then um, they uh, color the concrete. And uh, this is after
2: it's been poured.
1: This is after it's been poured. And uh-huh. so this woman asked me, she goes, uh, how light fast are your dyes? And I said, well, you know, I mean, they're not exterior rated, uh, but, you know, they're okay. I go, do you mind if I ask what the, what the uh, use is? And she says, well, what we do is we pour concrete floors and then um, we, um, we uh, let it cure and then we, we dye it afterwards. And I thought about it for a little bit. And I go, well, I really wouldn't recommend that you do that. I was just thinking about it. And then there was this silence at the other end. And I go, are you still there? She goes, well, I'm trying to digest what you just said, because we just did the entire uh, uh, – there's a a big (laughs) hotel out in Las Vegas that has a big mall in it. I can't remember the name of it off Mm -hmm. the top, but they did the entire mall floor in my dyes and she sent me pictures of it. And I went, Oh, well, uh, I guess we'll find out how light fast it is. Good luck with that. Good luck. And I actually went out about four years later. Uh, I went out and I I was uh, a featured speaker at the AWFS fair, uh, held in Las Vegas. And I looked at the floors and, um, they were a little faded and kind of more pastel than they should be, but they still looked okay. You know, so, but uh, the company eventually, I, I don't know what happened to them. They, they, they were a very big customer of ours for, for years. They did work like that all over the world. Huh. Huh. Uh, so it, it was very interesting. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of stuff you know that happens to us all the time. And then um, I would say the funniest thing that ever happened to me was a guy called me up one time. And said, "Are your dyes safe to eat or like to put with food?" And I go, "No, absolutely not." Uh, <laughs> there's a class of dyes you, you want to use. What's called a food <laughs> dye. And he, I go, mm-hmm. "Why are yeah. you asking me that?" And He goes, "Well, <laughs> I."
2: He's asking you after I, the fact. Yeah, That's how the cars?
1: Well, I raise, I, I <laughs> yeah. raise. Our I raised chickens <laughs> down here in northern Georgia. And when I get a rooster, oh, oh, I know where this guy go for it. That I really that's a mean rooster. And what I'll do to him is I'll dye his tail feathers purple with your dyes. So I can tell him he, he's the mean one, and I can tell he, 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 him from you know the good ones. And uh, but you know. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to do that if it's gonna, you know, make him sick or if it's, you know, whatever. I go, sir, I really, I mean, are you really putting me on? Is it, are you a legitimate person asking me? That? He was, he was, <laughs> and so, yeah, So, uh, purple tail feather rooster, he's the mean one. If you ever see a, a rooster running around with purple tail feathers, uh, don't go near it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So is, is there is there, um, is there an ending to that thought, story? Did you I, ever find out if anything bad happened to the rooster?
1: No, certain stories you want to sort of like not know what the ending is. And that's one of them. <laughs> well, I thought you were you going know, to say that I somebody mean, was
0: dying all their eggs to claim they were different color eggs. Well, it's a rooster.
1: Before the, um, yeah. you yeah.
0: know. No, I know. Uh, that's
1: a rooster well, part. you know, I. <laughs> We used to get, we don't get them anymore because all of our uh, uh, our safety data sheets they're called are up on our website and they're easily accessible online. All you got you know all you have mm-hmm. to do is like just punch in the name of it and you know those uh, safety data sheets come up. But uh, we used to get a lot of calls uh, from people that had pets, uh, and you know a guy would stain his you know uh, his uh, uh, table. Uh, in the garage with something and then you know the dog would go then go over and like you know pick up the rag and start like you know chewing on it or something like that and he'd come back with a pink tongue or a purple tongue or something like that but yeah we used to get a lot of calls like that
3: so going back to your restoration um time frame there uh did you have many employees was it just you and your
1: wife uh when we did restoration it was just me and my wife and basically mm-hmm. uh what we did or what I did is, uh, we did a lot of work for moving and storage companies and insurance companies. Oh, okay. It was almost, um, I, I did do a lot of private work that we got because we did that. But, uh, what we would do is we would really go into people's homes that, you know, where the movers like banged up some stuff or, you know, put, mm-hmm. I, I mean, some of it was really bad. Um, I, I got stories with that I could go on for the next three days with uh, from that you know the stuff that a mover mm-hmm. could do to your furniture but um, I won't go into <laughs> that but um, but you know it, it was a good business uh, but the I would say the only thing that was you know, people were generally pretty ticked off and you know they usually came in from out of town so they didn't know who I was mm-hmm. uh, so you know they usually had to ask answer a lot of questions and things like that and i'll never forget one time um and you know again this was all before the internet and google and amazon and all this kind of stuff so you know i remember telling one lady um you know she goes "Well, well how do i know that you're any good and i go well i write for fine woodworking and i think at that time i said i've written two books and she looked at me and she goes yeah right (laughs) <laughs> i'll never forget that <laughs> she was like i was like putting her on and you know at you still at that time you just yeah. sitting there well go hop on your you know computer and just you know go to amazon or whatever you, you know it was all before that kind of stuff so i you know it is you know it is what it is but boy i tell you you know we had to uh, really uh, walk on fire sometime now are, are you mainly self-taught when it comes to finishing finishing yes yeah Absolutely. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. self-taught on uh, finishing for sure and also uh, building guitars. Um, But uh, I would say that coming back to guitars uh, just eight years ago, I mean, you can learn how to do anything on YouTube. I mean, you (laughs) can learn how to do anything. You you could build a boat. You could build a house. You could, I mean... it's amazing. Uh, you know, now, now there's yeah. a lot of stuff that probably isn't all that good or isn't right or whatever. But for the most part, if you know how to parse things out, I mean, it, you can learn how to do just about anything um, these days. It's a mm-hmm. uh, really,
3: now you used to teach quite, quite I did. often, didn't you in the past? Well,
1: I taught, um, and you gave, I taught in a place that's close to Guy, uh, Franklin, Indiana. Yeah. Mark I, I taught Adams. Mark Adams, uh, who's, who's probably the, most renowned woodworking school in, in America. Uh, I taught there for 12 years. Uh, and, Mm uh, I, I just had, I I love teaching actually. Um, uh, but I just had, I, it just became a time thing with me, you know, uh, homestead got big Mm -hmm. and there's just stuff I wanted to do on the weekends besides go haul off somewhere and, you know, uh, teach somebody. So, um, you know, I had to yeah. kind of put that down and I, I also stopped writing pretty much about, um, I would say six or seven years ago, but, uh, I still, I still teach, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I'll just teach, uh, uh, guitar makers, um, I'll just, uh, I, I do a okay. lot of consulting and a lot of work with uh, the guitar companies and their staff and uh, that type of thing now these days. So that's about the only thing that I do. Oh,
2: how, how many guitars do you think you've made in the last, let's say, year?
1: In one year, I can lo- only legitimately put out about six. I would say four is a more of a normal thing because it's still a, sp- it's a spare, spare time. These aren't guitars thing. that I can buy
2: for $150.
1: No, no, you need <laughs> just a little bit okay. more than yeah. that. I mean, you all the models you can see pricing wise, you can see price wise yeah. and everything I've got is on our uh, website, which is Jewett guitars. But, um, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not knocking them dead with selling guitars. I'll say that it, it believe it or not, it, it's a very, very competitive market, uh, with the, mm-hmm. uh, small shop luthiers. Uh, there's just a lot of guys doing yeah. it. Um, and, uh,
2: a lot of them are really talented too, and
1: there's some yeah, there's some real talent out there because uh, you got to be wired a specific way to uh, to uh, get into the kind of the 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 meticulous uh, aspect of building guitars. Act for me, you see, it, it's funny because most of the guys that build guitars that like the building, they hate the finishing, just hate it. Because there's so much that mm-hmm. can go wrong that's out of their control. Where me, I love the finishing because mm-hmm. it's usually where mm-hmm. I can, you know, well, it's just, it's, I, I just, I kind of roll with what happens. I just, I finished, I, I refinished. Mm-hmm. You see, that's something that you learn in refinishing furniture. Um, uh, and I'll just backtrack. But,
2: but, but doesn't the doesn't the finish affect what type of finish it is and all that affect the sound of the guitar too?
1: Uh I think I think too much. I I I think there's too much that's placed on that, and most of it, in my opinion, is marketing hype. Um, You know, we've all heard stories about Stradivarius's uh, secret finish, or this, that, or the other thing, or Stradivarius. uh, uh, He would only use wood that grew on the north side of uh, Mount Etna, (laughs) and he harvested it only. uh, under a full moon. I mean, th- yeah. I- I- While it's this wearing kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Pink high yeah. heels. And it's this kind of stuff and these, these just this crazy stuff where it's like, you know, if you look at the guy's record, the guy made like over 1,100 instruments. So maybe he just got really uh, good, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the way I look at it. But um, no, I think, um, th- uh, see, that the, the problem that you have with Finnish. Uh, and its effect on the tone is that you could never test it because you can never make two wooden mm-hmm. instruments exactly alike. They will never be, you could use the same wood, same, everything. Good they point. will never be exactly like you can make them close. And the people I know that have done that, that have tried different finishes and this, that, and the other thing. Um, it just, it, there may be a slight difference, but most of the difference uh, that is um, uh, made in the construction of a guitar is in tuning the wood as you're making it. And um, there's a lot of...
2: What, what do you mean by tuning the well, wood? Well, what
1: you're doing is you're constantly tapping the wood. You're tapping it and holding it in a certain way. And you're, you're listening for cer- certain frequencies and certain vibrations and the way that it vibrates. And it, it, it's the feedback of the wood. Uh, Guy, you know, as well as anybody else, that if you take a, a piece of, uh, say, mahogany or walnut or something like that, we'll just say like it's four quarter, okay, and it's about 24 inches long, and you just pick it up uh, and just drop it on a concrete floor, you'll get a sound out of it, and uh, it, it that's what mm. you're doing. Uh, it's called tap tuning, uh, uh, and... Uh, because you're using your finger or your thumb to tap the wood as, as, as you shave the braces, as you make the braces, as you are removing wood after you make the structure of the guitar to tune it. And it, it, it's, it's very, somebody has to show you how to do it. That's something you can't learn. You can't learn that off YouTube. Uh, you got, somebody's got to show you to it. And um, I took a couple courses in it from some people that are very well established and it made all the difference. But, um, it's, uh, now,
2: is there, it, is there like software that can help you do this with a microphone? Yes. and
1: Yes. Well, there is software and what you can do is you can put a good microphone in front of, uh, well, uh, before the guitar is all glued up, uh, there's really the body of the guitar has four pieces. We'll call it. There's two sides that are the sides that are bent to make the guitar shape. Those are the sides. And then there's a front and the back. And the front and the back are called plates. And those are braced with internal bracing that goes, in most cases, cross grain, which we know from woodworking is a big no-no. But um, it's to stiffen the top uh, so that it resists the pull of the strings. Uh, When it's uh, strung up to pitch, but uh, the way that you brace it and the way that you shave the braces and uh, this type of thing, uh, when the the, before the uh, uh, guitar is glued together, what you could do is you can take that top and you can hang it in front of a microphone and you can tap it with uh, like a, a little mallet or something like that. And there is uh software programs that will analyze it for you for frequencies. Uh, you're looking for, um, harmonics, uh, you're looking for, uh, nodal harmonics. There's some complicated terms, but basically all a guitar is, is, uh, uh, it's, it's just a series of what we call cu- coupled oscillators, uh, meaning it's just, uh, they transmit energy and that's all it is. Uh, and it's just the way that it's transmitted. Uh, and that's the difference between a good guitar and a a, a, a bad guitar. I mean, there there have been uh, guitar makers that, to prove that they were good, uh, made guitars out of pallets, pallet wood.
2: And they sounded <laughs> oh good. Oh,
1: my gosh.
2: <laughs> next next you're going to tell me there's barn wood guitars.
1: Oh, I there's... Go, oh, go, I just tore oh,
2: a barn down. Can you make me a guitar out of it?
1: There is, there is a <laughs> uh, guitar on my site. Uh, it's under the used guitars. <laughs> And I made it from the top of a dresser and I replaced the top of this dresser because the dresser, uh, it was a empire chest walnut, solid walnut from about 1830s. Uh, They'd left it, the customer had left it in a barn for like 20, 30 years and the top was split and warped and all that. And uh, I made a new top for it because they just wanted something that, you know, wasn't all split and warped and all that kind of stuff. And um, Guy probably knows this, but you see Walnut back at that time was all air dried. And this stuff just had the most beautiful color. But uh, I have that guitar up on my website. It's a, a Walnut uh, guitar. And uh, it's uh, I made it from the top of a chest of drawers. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Is there
0: anything you ever seen that somebody's done with your with your products that's just blown your mind?
1: Well- um,
2: Other than put it on a rooster?
1: No. Well, (laughs) I I would say- Concrete floors, yeah. Recently, uh, Sikorsky helicopters uh, started using my uh, dyes uh, to stain the interior of their uh, uh, cabins that they sell to uh, big CEOs. And the, oh, you should see these things. I mean, the, just the the cabinet work that goes on the inside of an airplane is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, it is.
0: I, I I've seen like sunbursts and things like that that just blew my mind how they mix and do things with them.
1: Oh yeah, well they, they can. T- well, what's really neat is that if I'm watching TV or something like that and a guitarist goes on stage, um, you know, I go, those are my colors. Huh. I made that. I made that. I made the colors for that because uh, Gibson is one of our customers. Uh, Martin is one of our customers, uh, as well as you know, just lots and lots and lots of you know other smaller companies. But um, the uh, I would say the other thing that blew my mind once was I was watching um, an NPR special, and um, it was about Steinway the piano company. And um, every year, the Steinway company Mm -hmm. commissions what they call an art case piano. And what an art case piano is, it's they pick a local furniture maker or an American furniture maker that's pretty well established, that's, uh, uh, you know, fairly well known. And they make the outside case of of a Steinway piano they design it and they build it. And then Steinway puts the guts of the piano inside of it. And a guy that, uh, well, I I just know he, he bought a whole bunch of blue dye from us. Mm. Now blue is a color that you don't sell a lot of. I mean, you might sell a two ounce bottle, but you're certainly not going to sell like four quarts of it to somebody. So I thought it was a little bit odd. And about six months later, or maybe about a year later, I was watching an NPR special, and it was on Steinway. And here, the guy had uh, uh, done a art case Steinway piano that was to commemorate the 100th anniversary of George Gershwin. And it was on top of a float going down one of the major hmm. thoroughfares in New York City. And it was just a beautiful, bright, sunny day. And it was just as gorgeous blue piano. And I nearly fainted because of all the colors we make, blue is the most prone to fading in direct sunlight. (laughs) So I nearly fell off the couch. I called this guy up and I go, don't you ever do that again. And he goes, well, I got private commissions to make 10 more. (laughs) that's why he bought a gallon of this stuff so we sort of had to figure out what to do and what we came up with as a solution to that was you know he just told the customers not to take it outside which was fairly easy (laughs) but second of all uh uh we had a a special finish made that had uh uv blockers in it they're called They're, they're things that are used in outdoor uh items to help, uh, uh, minimize that type of effect. So, but, um, that, that, that's up there with the rooster. Definitely for sure. Um, (laughs) what's your favorite finish to, uh,
3: spray or apply?
1: Well, uh, the one that we've settled on for guitars and the one that I like, uh, that I prefer right now is Mm -hmm. what's called two component urethane. Uh, It's a catalyzed finish. Uh, You mix two parts right before you apply it, and then it chemically reacts and forms a very, very Mm -hmm. tough, durable finish. Uh, So a guitar that's finished that way, I mean, you can Mm -hmm. clean it with Windex if you want, although we don't typically tell people to do that. But um, it's very hard. It's very durable. And um, it's just what I like because uh, I I just don't want callbacks or any sort of problems with the traditional finish that that's been used for years on yeah. guitars, mm-hmm. which is just nitrocellulose lacquer. Uh, it, uh, nitrocellulose lacquer. It's a great finish. It's, it's, it, it it's, very pretty. Uh, it, 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 there's a lot of good things about it, but it, it is in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. It, it's not very durable and it's prone to doing strange yeah. things in cold weather. And, um, it, 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 it it just Mm -hmm. a lot of problems with it so i don't use it but um that's the finish that i use it's not a finish that everybody can apply because it does require um that you have a good way to it's well skill but it's not the Mm -hmm. most eco-friendly or um it it, the components before you mix them are are Mm -hmm. are hazardous yeah so so give, give
2: it a couple more years and it won't be available anymore
1: of the- yeah, well, it, it's the same finish uh, that's used yeah. on cars, so I think um, it's going to but- be around for a while. <laughs> but I think, well, what will happen is that, uh, no, what we're going to is we're getting rid of the the, the really nasty chemicals are the ones that are used to um, mm-hmm. catalyze the finish or to uh, accelerate the curing of it. And those are being replaced by uh, what we call light, uh, just very, very bright lamps uh to do that if you've ever been to the dentist in the past 10 years Mm -hmm. when they do molds and they do fillings and now they fill they they cure that stuff with Mm -hmm. a little lamp that they hold in your mouth well they have that technology ramped up to do guitars the same way now Mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool but it yeah there's all sorts of new stuff going on all the time it's pretty cool
3: No, you didn't step away from the business of restoration because of all the chemicals or anything. It was just more,
1: it's time to move on. Well, it was time to move on. Uh, And, you know, you you don't want to be stripping furniture the rest of your life because that is definitely a nasty chemical. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. a chemical called methylene chloride. And that's actually been taken off the consumer shelves uh, just in the past four or five years. Uh, now, uh, uh, furniture strippers can still use it. Although they do have to, I believe, uh, maybe have some sort of, a, well, you have to have the right paperwork for it. I'll just leave it at mm-hmm. that. But it's, it, no, it's nasty, nasty business. Right. And it's the only stuff that works, right? It, it's the only mm-hmm. stuff that works. All the other stuff, like the safest strippers, we tried them all and all that stuff. They were just awful, just all mm-hmm. horrendous experiences with those things. So, um, but yeah, I pretty much, you know, it was time to move on and I was just interested in other things. And like I say, uh, I've I've just, uh, sort of had this dream since I was in college of like, you know, making a living as a, uh, a luthier as they're called. And so I sort of like, uh, am a gentleman luthier these days, I guess you want to call it.
3: Yeah. No, I've been on your site. You know, I was I expected to be shocked in uh, pricing, and I was not shocked. So that's a good thing. Yep. You know, it's they're still somewhat reasonable. I have a friend named Julius Borges, who's a great luthier, uh, and he's he's a very expensive luthier. I was. But well, he also I would say
1: inlay. I would say that uh, if you have a well-known name and you're selling the exact mm-hmm. same guitar that I am, you can get double, if not triple, for it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that's just all in the name. I mean, yeah. Jeff Jewett Luthier is just not, not known. I mean, I, you know, people may recognize my name, but I go, you know, they're like, well, all right. Okay. I know he makes stains or he's a good refinisher, but boy, I don't know if he makes a good guitar, you know? So it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's it's hard. Well, you know, Have you ever,
2: have you ever, have you ever considered like trying to get (laughs) one of your guitars and like a some kind of uh, like country music.
1: We're working on that. Uh, that, that, mm. that, that, that Legend, that's hard to get. Star. Well, basically, uh, there's a couple things that I, I, I'm working on. Uh, one way which has been recommended to me is to uh, create a couple ambassadors, as they're called. Uh, when you yeah. have a new product, what you do is you give it to mm-hmm. somebody that is mm-hmm. touring, getting out in front of people, that people know. And then, you know, you get a little buzz that way. Uh, So we're looking for the possibility of that. Um, I'm also trying to get uh, something reviewed in one of the uh, major magazines. But the problem is uh, magazines just, I mean, they're having a really hard time these days. Everything's digital. Everything's Mm -hmm. digital. Mm -hmm. And people want everything free. Uh, Not only do they, yeah, they want it free and they want it on their computer Mm -hmm. or even worse, uh, like, okay, he, he, yeah. here's a case in point. We, uh, the employees that we have, uh, they're in their low 20s. And um, I gave a, a, a CD to one of them of some of the stuff I had recorded at home. And they looked at it like, what the heck am I supposed to do with this? And what is it? <laughs> really, it was like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, I mean, so... Now, I mean, when Guy and I started working at uh, uh, Northeast Appliance and Audio, CDs were like the big new world. I mean, digital, audio. Yeah, I remember when
2: there was no CDs. I remember when there was. There were laser discs. Well,
1: remember when, yeah, I was just going to say, remember the big bulky laser discs? Oh, geez.
2: Yeah, the laser discs. Yeah. There was no yeah, there was like no VHS yet. Yeah. There yep. was just Betamax.
1: Betamax and you know if you bought a movie A-trax. if you bought a movie, it was seventy nine bucks. Uh
2: mm-hmm. yeah, A tracks were dead at well, that A-trax, time. Thank <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah a it bit, took yeah. two
2: years before it came
0: out. <laughs> so uh, I, I actually heard something the other day, Jeff. Uh I guess it's like a kid under fifteen. Ask them why it's called <laughs> hanging up a phone and they won't have an idea what that means.
1: <laughs> Hang up a phone. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I believe it. Well, it,
0: cause there, <laughs> there's no more phones yeah, in the well, wall.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just wait, wait a few more years. And yeah, uh, but no, every, yeah. you know, the hardest thing too is with employees, especially the 20 years old is disconnecting them from those iPhones. Mm-hmm. My God. I mean, they are just, you know, well, I gave up. I gave up <laughs> because you know, what, they're doing is very boring it's very repetitive and I, if they have to listen to some music or whatever it is you know it's okay uh but you know i go back there and they're not only they're listening to music they're yakking to their friends you know i mean it's just you know but as long as the work gets um, done i just learned
3: to live with it so so
1: do you have an opinion regarding this new movement for water-based finishes <clears throat> I've played around with water-based finishes since they came out 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. and um, I use water-based finish uh, to finish all our display boards uh, that we put in like Rockler stores and Woodcraft stores, and to do all of our samples uh, because they're water clear, Mm -hmm. uh, they don't add any color to the finish, and they don't stink up the shop. Uh, because usually if I'm, you know, doing sample boards, or I'm doing a run of display boards. I mean, I'm spraying all day long. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and it just, it it gets pretty smelly. Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, I won't put them on a guitar. Um, the, uh, I just, I just, the, when you have a really highly figured wood, um, they just, uh, they're just incapable of, 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 of making wood look like, uh, uh other solvent based products mm-hmm. do. It has mostly to, it's, yeah. it's, you know, uh, my view on it is not necessarily the one that would be shaped, uh, shared by the water-based finish manufacturers, mm-hmm. but my view on it, uh, derives from just experience and also, um, uh, uh, a fair amount of science and background that I do have uh, of just the way that they work and the physics of them. And they just basically, uh, um, um, you know, they, they just don't do wonders to work, but um, that's okay. You know, I mean, 40 years ago, you couldn't find a painter that would do trim work uh, in anything but oil-based paint. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can't find anybody to that's going to apply oil-based paint. I, I love oil-based uh, paint. It's just yeah. Well, yeah, I I, I do too. It flows out like great, but it stinks like crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and especially these days because the solvents that they have to use mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, are the what we call the exempt solvents, and they uh, you know it smells like a. a well, the closest thing I can think of to it is it, it smells like those urinal cakes. Yes, I do. <laughs> in, in, in men's urinals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same exact smell. Hmm. It's just awful. I um I, I, I use some water locks. Uh, everybody knows what water locks yep, is? Yep, yeah. I, I use some water locks to do something. Um, oh, this was a couple years ago. and um, But it was at home, and I left the open can or left the can open down in the basement. Um, on my workbench and I came into the it's just a little room that's off the basement where I you know kind of have my man cave and all that I, I swear to God, my my eyes started tearing up. It was just awful. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just awful.
3: But I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say so where is Jeff Jew in 10 years? Where's Homestead Finishing? You know, do you have an outlook for it
1: ever expanding uh, or no, I've kind of reached the limit of mm-hmm. what I want to do because uh, I don't want to bring in employees or mm-hmm. you know anything. I don't want to grow anymore. I like where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have i ne- I have never had a grand plan okay uh, for anything uh, you know maybe a year or so or uh, two years down the road but yeah you know, five years I may feel like I want to sell it um, i'm sixty five. So, you know, I, by all rights, I should be retired, Yeah. but, uh, at, at age 65, I decided to start a new company called Jewett guitars. So go figure. Um, but, um, so no, I've never had a grand plan. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I have a wonderful wife that pretty much just, you know, lets me do whatever I want to do. And as long as I don't stay at home and bug her all day, uh, (laughs) it's good. Yeah. (laughs) no that's amazing but uh yeah 10 years from now yeah i don't know i'll probably still be working probably still maybe Mm -hmm. by then i'll have a a few guitars sold we'll see
3: (laughs) (laughs) well i will say jeff that one of the reasons why i got into finishing was because i think it was in 96 or whatever it was um you wrote an article for finally working on finishing mahogany and grain filling oh yeah i remember that and that one sold me like, I remember like yesterday, it's like, I'm never going to be this good. I have, you know, I, I read that damn article so many times and now it's like, it's just finishing mahogany. It's so easy. Now I can officially yep. say that. And now yep. it's the last thing I want to do.
1: <laughs> well, you know what's, you know what's, I, I must say it is kind of neat to read. Uh, uh, this was a few years ago, but, uh, there, there's a gal that does a lot of, uh, finishing, uh, writing and other stuff for fine woodworking these days. Uh, Nancy Hiller is her yes. name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, She's great. She, she did an article. Uh, it was a mission something or, or over there. And at the end of it, she goes, I have to be honest, uh, when it came time to be, uh, do the finish, I just followed Jeff Jewett's recipe from issue. And then she cited the issue and she goes, enough said or something yeah. like that. It's just, yeah. it's the best finish that I've ever done and I'm not going to change it. So, but that was gratifying to, to, to hear that because, you know, that's, uh, you know, you pass
3: it on is what, you God do. yeah, no, I have all your books. So I've studied oh, them all
1: these years. Great so. to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to hold. Uh, now is this the books, are the
2: books still available on like Amazon or do you have to buy it from Taunton?
1: No, no. You can buy the books just about anywhere. Uh, Amazon, you can buy them. Uh, Oh, just, you can buy anywhere. Uh, the only just the first book they retired to digital format only. So it's, it's not available anymore as a printed book. Uh, only mm-hmm. digital download, they call it. Um, but the video, um, the, the two VHS videos I did for that book, uh, they combined mm-hmm. into one DVD, which is called Hand Applied Finishes DVD. So that was yeah. nice. Uh, so that actually mm-hmm. was better. Jeff, how,
0: how, how did fine woodworking find you?
1: Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you how that happened. Um, I took a, 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 I wanted to learn how to do some wood turning for my uh, refinishing. Uh, it was mm-hmm. mostly for the uh, mover stuff because uh, as I told you earlier, movers can do strange things to furniture, like lose parts mm-hmm. of a chair or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. So, you know, I, I, I had chair. to learn how to, you know, uh, turn new parts, you know, to replace parts or whatever. So uh, there was, uh, at that time, I knew there's a very well-known woodworker in Cleveland out in Parkman called Ernie Conover. Yes, and he ran a he ran a school for many years, and I think he still runs it, uh, but probably just you know very private now. But anyways, uh, so I took a wood turning course out there, and when I was out there taking the wood turning course, there was a guy by the name of Nick Engler, who mm-hmm. is uh, he was a very big time writer at the time, and he was teaching a course on finishing, and so. I would just pop my head in, uh, you know, when there were little breaks in the wood turning class and listen to him. And I just couldn't believe the stuff this guy was saying. I mean, it was wrong. <laughs> it just wasn't right. It was just like yeah. full of like holes and stuff like that. And so, uh, at one time Ernie came over to me and I was turning something and, uh, we got to talking and I told him about what he did, what I did and this, that and the other thing. And he said, um, this, th- is angler. I mean, you know, you see any good. And I, I, I told him, I go, well, I, half of what he he says is, is BS. And Ernie laughed and he goes, you know, I've always felt the same way too. Uh, do you want to teach, do you want to teach the next class on finishing? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, sh- yeah, sure. So I did. And I, that's how I got it started in all of that was at Conover's woodworking school. I taught for about three years Uh, and then he introduced me to fine woodworking, uh, but you Mm -hmm. know, they were a hard nut to crack. And so, uh, basically, uh, one of their, uh, uh, an issue came out and, uh, it was letters to the editor and, uh, what the question from a reader was, and they, they sent a photo in. they, they wanted to know what kind of, uh, furniture joint, uh, that this, this particular joint was. And what it was, it was a picture of a guy, you might know this, uh, or you guys might not, but uh, uh, it's, it, it, the technical term is called a pin and scallop joint. It's uh, where you see on the side mm-hmm. of a drawer, you see like kind of like round kind of like um, scallops, yep. and then you see like little dowels in them. And um, it yep. was very popular on Victorian furniture, and uh, really before uh, the machine-cut dovetail furniture uh, uh, came out. And, um, well, I just happened to know that that was not the correct term for it. Um, so I wrote in a response saying, I go, the the editor that answered the question was Sandor Nagislanski, who used to be the, uh, a big-time editor and weren't turned out to be a very big, book author for fun woodworking. But I said, mm-hmm. uh, the response that Mr. Nagelsenke gave is incorrect. Uh, actually, the joint is called a nap joint. And it's called a nap joint because uh, the machinery to do it was patented in 1876 by Nathan Clement and Joseph Knapp of Waterloo, Wisconsin. And I cited references. I cited a patent number, this, that, and the other thing. I actually went down to the Cleveland Public Library and got all that information. And I sent it in And about a month later, one of the editors called me up and he goes, Hey, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Would you like to do uh, the question and answer uh, column for us? So, for about a year, all I did was answer questions from readers about weird furniture joints. (laughs) And then I finally talked to a guy who says, Hey, let me write an article. And he said, Well, you know, I don't, you know, so I go, Oh, come on, you know. So, I wrote an article. it was uh on, on something for shellac and it was very well received so it was just mm-hmm. after that it was just like everything was paved for me i mean you know so you know it was it was all good but uh it was just yeah it was a hard nut to crack at first but i, I got really lucky i i I, I, yeah. I did some real breaks along the way i met some good people and um just uh kind of uh Um, greased the right palms I guess you might say Uh, so it it, it worked out well but fine woodworking was really what launched me uh, 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 to any anything close to you know uh, you guys uh, recognizing my name or buying my books for sure.
0: It's a cool story man. Yeah Yeah. it's all very interesting.
1: Well uh, I hope fine woodworking stays around I mean it's a very tough business right now and they're just uh, they're they're really hurting Um, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but all of them. Yes. They're
0: they're all hurting I mean, they, they seem to be doing better than any of the well, other. Well, they ones. have a very loyal base. But, uh,
1: uh, <sighs> but uh, the, the, uh, yeah, I think
0: it's 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 that, and then they seem to have a good turnover in there, and young people they're, that can keep up with mm-hmm. everything that's yeah. going what, on.
2: Well, what other what other magazines are out there? Wood magazine.
1: Well, you have right. popular yeah. wood popular Pop woodworking, woodworking is, is still the biggest yeah. one. That that has the most uh, 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 amount of uh, uh, subscribes, subscribe readers. Uh, uh, I wrote one article for them, uh, and you know it was okay, Um, Mm -hmm. but it it was like totally different than working with fine woodworking. Um, I I guess you have let's see, popular woodworking. You have uh, that Rockler publication. What's it called? Uh, Woodworkers Journal, I think. Mm let me get woodcraft magazine and, and woodcraft magazine i've yeah, written woodcraft for woodcraft, woodcraft magazine. magazine uh i don't you know but th- th- that's all tough 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 stuff to do it really is but yeah. there but there
2: isn't as many magazines now no. as there was in no. The, no.
1: the the 80s
2: no. and 90s. 90s there was a bunch yep. of different magazines yep. i subscribed yep. to
1: i really just I, I get fine woodworking still and then i get a couple uh uh guitar related magazines and that's it and you know it's just Mm -hmm. yeah it is what it is uh but uh yeah different times different times now wow all right well jeff thank you so much
2: yeah yeah it's been a pleasure it was great talking to you
1: It's been, uh, well, it's been a blast. I I have to uh, thank uh, Guy for reaching out to me and, uh, you know, uh, getting back in contact with me and Freddie too. And Justin, boy, Justin was a huge help. Uh, We had a little bit of a scare there uh, earlier today. I didn't know. Yeah, uh, it's you, well, it was actually I, I easy. Know, yeah. I didn't know I didn't know it that wasn't you were bad. supposed to plug the uh, yeah. headphone jack into the microphone. But <laughs> <laughs> what do I know? Hey, uh,
2: yeah, there was um, a, couple, a couple a couple a couple episodes ago, I I couldn't figure out what was wrong with mine. I I didn't turn the power on to my mic. So, well, that's really
1: stupid. stupid. I mean, I, I'm a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit. Yeah, it was. That. It
2: was really stupid. Justin's as going. Is as it plug? Do you have it turned on? Yeah,
1: I've got it turned yeah, yeah, yeah. on. I think I'm stupid.
2: No, we say no, the same no, thing no. all the time,
1: well, Jeff. Don't worry. Oh, ouch! <laughs> ouch! Right. Well, this has been a blast. I thank all of you guys. Well, uh, all, you know, everybody for uh, inviting me, and um, this was, uh, you know, fun to do. I, I uh, like I said, I haven't done one of these things uh, in many, many years. So it was good to
2: good to do. That's a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on, Jeff.
0: Where can everybody find you?
1: Everybody can find me. uh, Go to Jewett Guitars uh, if you're interested in guitars. Or uh, the name of my website Mm -hmm. for my finishing stuff is homesteadfinishingproducts.com Or if you want to just, you know, just Google Jeff Jewett and it'll take you to Homestead or Jewett Guitars. So, you know, it's pretty easy. Google knows everything. It's a pleasure. All righty, guys.